0: Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Andrew.
1: And I'm Rachel.
0: And we are Picture the Scene Podcast. We are a true crime podcast, aiming to put you the listener at the scene of the crime. Each week we delve into the murky world of less known crimes from the UK and Ireland, and occasionally we venture into renowned cases from around the globe. Now, if you like what you hear, please do follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer. Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform of choice and if you have the capability, go and give us a rating and review as well. It always means the world to us. And we've had a few more recently, haven't we, Rachel?
1: We have, yeah. Lots of pleasant comments. And, uh, you know, I think as Andrew and I, like, evolve, um, obviously our listeners are, like, growing with us. And it's really nice to hear, you know, compliments, like we've got a great chemistry and we bounce off each other. Um, and also, you know, it's okay if if you don't like something particularly about the pod. Let us know that too, because we can like change it. I mean, can't change our voices or the way we talk, but you know, if it's something that's within our control, we we do try and um, adapt so that um, you guys you know want to keep on coming back and listening to us. So exactly.
0: thank you. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. Adapt or die. You know, if we evolve too much, I hope I hope one day I grow a pair wings. That'll be quite cool, won't it? <laughs> Anyway, back to reality. If you like it that much that you want to support us, then please do head over to Patreon, where you can support us for as little as £1 a month. We have bonus content and episodes. And sometimes, you know, we have pictures of my dog, we have the occasional giveaway, and other random oddities as well, um, which is it's a fun little community we're building over there. And we just had an extra member to our family, Rachel. We had Anna Morris sign up a day or two ago. So welcome, Anna. I know by the time you hear this, it'll be probably six, seven, eight weeks after you've actually signed up, but welcome.
1: Welcome indeed, Anna, and uh, you've obviously, hopefully, spent the last eight weeks catching up on our backlog of Patreon episodes, so hopefully you've enjoyed them. Let us know.
0: Yes. And taking part in our live episode, which is coming in December as well. Oh. So as with any true crime podcast, listener discretion is always advised, and we are no exception. Today, I will be, at times, having to describe extensive injury detail to a victim of crime, so please be aware of this before we go any further.
1: And we know by now, Andrew does not take lightly describing extensive injuries.
0: Yes, sometimes you have to know to give context.
1: You do indeed, so thank you for the pre-warning.
0: And we do, where possible, now release episodes a week early for our Patreon supporters. If you want to hear next week's episode today, head over to Patreon and be part of our family. So how are you doing, Rachel? How's life treating you?
1: Yeah, all good here. I feel like I always say all good. Um, But yeah, can't complain. Um, Still pregnant, but for the purpose of our recording today. I'll have probably had the baby by now. Yes. Which is mad.
0: It is a little bit, yes. Um, but I would have hopefully been able to update our listeners at some point on your amazing yeah. edition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I will let you know.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm sparkling, Rachel. It's
1: been Aww. a good, good
0: start to the day this morning, even though it's still the crack of dawn. It's been a good start to the day.
1: Good, good. That's what I like to hear.
0: And are you ready for some true crime?
1: I was born ready.
0: I thought so. That's what your mum told me. Right, let's go. (laughs) If it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. Today I'm taking us back to the 15th of April 1998 and we're heading off to Bath. Now Bath is in the county of Somerset and it's a small city with a population of around 100,000 people. It's known for, and indeed is named after, its famous Roman-built baths, which utilised the natural springs in the area and developed public bathing facilities.
1: Fun fact for you. Some people call Bath Bath.
0: But I'm not posh, though.
1: Um, <laughs> I didn't say posh people. I said some people.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> so even though it's named after Roman Baths, the Romans called a town as it was then, Sulis, its original Celt name prior to the Roman invasion and it was named after the Celt goddess Sulis. So I'm not here though, to tell you about any crimes that Romans may have undertaken as had long left by 1998. I the felt
1: fi- like I felt like it was the start of a history lesson there.
0: Yeah, sorry. The <laughs> fifth of the <laughs> The 15th of April was a Wednesday, Rachel. And it was just past Easter, which had been on a Sunday prior the twelfth. So Bath would have been quite busy with a lot of tourists because it was the Easter uh, holidays for the kids, because it's a popular tourist attraction. And I want to introduce you to a couple, Jacqueline or Jackie, as she likes to be called, Kirk, and Stephen Craig. Jackie was forty years old, and Stephen was thirty-three years old. Jackie had two children from a previous relationship. Shane, who was 22, and Sona, who was 13 years old. But Jackie and Stephen had been together for three years, but it was not a happy relationship. In fact, and this is just my opinion here, I'd go as far as to say you'd be hard-pushed to describe it as a relationship due to the fact that Stephen was a horrible, controlling, physically abusive brute who made Jackie live in constant fear. Oh, and wow. And it was a relationship that Jackie felt that she couldn't get out of.
1: Oh, gosh. And do you know what? And and I know that um, age doesn't factor into it very often, but it just shows your like unconscious bias that you assume when the older person in the relationship is is so much older and by so much, you know, seven years. Um, sorry, did you say her name's
0: Jackie? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Jackie's seven years older than him. Like, you'd assume that she wouldn't be in in that kind of situation, wouldn't you? Like, because he's seven years younger, that I'm quite surprised that he's got power over her. But, yeah. like, there's no discrimination, is there, when it comes to, like, physical or emotional abuse? It's, um, you exactly. know.
0: Exactly. A bully is a bully is a bully, aren't yeah. they, after all? Yeah. So the pair had met in 1995, Rachel, some three years earlier. And what was the chance encounter? Jackie at that time was outgoing, optimistic, and she had a wide circle of friends. She was really enjoying life and enjoying being a mother. She was brave and strong. She'd successfully overcome both a drug and alcohol problem and was now clean and sober and had dreams of one day traveling the world and visiting new places she'd only dreamed of going to in the past. At that time, when they met, Stephen was homeless and was in active addiction to both alcohol and drugs. A chance encounter on the street led Jackie to do what she'd always done. She'd opened herself up with kindness and good intentions by offering him temporary shelter at her home so he could get back on his feet. Pretty much as soon as he moved in, the friendship turned into an exploitative, coercive and controlling relationship. Stephen was abusive towards her, And he set about, with great success, in undermining that self-confidence that Jackie had managed to develop because he was in active addiction to both alcohol and drugs and due to the way that he was treating her, it led Jackie back into that life and back to alcohol and drugs.
1: Oh, my goodness. And with two kids in tow as well, like...
0: Yeah. The atmosphere within Jackie's house got that bad, Rachel. It became so intimidating and volatile that her 10-year-old daughter, Sonna, had to move out and she moved in with her then 19-year-old brother, Shane. Oh, wow. Obviously, not at that time, but later Jackie would openly admit that she was just too frightened of Stephen to ask him to leave. She felt like she was trapped and had nowhere to go.
1: And therefore sacrificed being with her own children. Yes. And like I'm by by making that comment that I'm not passing any sort of judgment, but like that's how afraid she was. That's I guess that's what I'm trying to put into context. Like she was so afraid of, of him and and what um he might do that uh, yeah, she sacrificed like time with her eldest daughter.
0: Yeah, and and this was even her home, so it would made it even worse because she felt she was trapped in her own home. Yeah, one that she'd made before she even met Stephen. And there were many, many instances of violence and abuse towards Jackie from Stephen over the next three years. And just, I'm not going to list them all because we'd be here all day, but just to give you a brief example, he cracked her cheekbone on one occasion and another, he ended up hospitalising her with a fractured jaw. And that's just two very small examples. Wow. He would repeatedly fret, threaten to burn her flat down. And on a weekly, if not daily basis, over the years, he would tell her that he was going to kill her. And she was genuinely frightened for her life. So, Rachel, have you seen the film, Where's the Fry Dogs?
1: No, I haven't. Sorry, listeners, I'm letting you down again. I do love Quentin Tarantino, though.
0: Oh, what is it? Seen in the film What's <laughs> some- up? <laughs> Um, there's a scene in a film with some bank robbers have escaped from robbing somewhere, a jewellery store, and they take a policeman hostage. And at one point, he's tied to the chair, and he's tortured and petrol poured on him, as if they're going to set him on fire.
2: Oh,
1: wow.
0: So Jackie would say that, that Stephen loved that film, and he'd watch it with a permanent grin on his face, that he obsessed watching the torture scenes, and he would enjoy acting out the characters in the film. Now, I know I'll probably give you a fair amount of context before the actual crime, but I think it's important this time. So let's go back to the 15th of April now, 1998, some three years after they got together. Now, I, I didn't want to throw us just straight into it because it would have probably felt a bit disjointed. So on this day, both Jackie and Stephen were out of the flat that they lived in, and they were in or around the railway station in Bath, Stephen knew Jackie had a little bit, not a lot, but just a small amount of money in her bank account at the time, and he demanded that she withdrew it so he could spend it and to give it to him. When she refused to let him have it, he reverted back to norm, and he was both aggressive and violent towards her. In, in the order, in
1: the middle, in the middle of the street, like was yes, he out in the open at this point.
0: Yeah, they were out in the open. Yeah, and wow. yeah, he, he was doing that in order to get the money from her. For one so it didn't work and she wouldn't give it up. And they found themselves in the railway station. After more arguing and aggressive and violent behavior from Stephen, he managed to get Jackie into the toilet of the station. And he locked her in the toilet from the outside. And then once he'd done that, he simply left, leaving her locked in the toilet. Now I'm not sure where he went, but it would be several hours before she was found by a cleaner and let out.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Exactly. So by, the time, by this time, Stephen was really angry. He had in his head some make-believe grievance against Jackie in relation to an ex-boyfriend of hers, completely made up. So on the 16th the following day, he continued his aggression and violence towards her. In the evening of the 16th, when he told her that he'd be using her car to take them both to Plymouth, she simply agreed out of fear that if she said no to him, he'd beat her again.
1: So, does that mean that she'd have had to arrange like childcare? Um, if, if you know, if he's just saying, right, that's it, I'm taking you tomorrow. Um, you don't have any say in it.
0: Uh, well, no. Remember, in when they met in 1995, three years ago, three years before, sorry, her daughter had moved out because of yeah. him. So she yeah. she and she had then slipped into. Active addiction again. So her daughter just stayed with her eldest son. Did who... she have
1: two kids? Oh, yeah. an yeah. older son. Sorry, sorry.
0: Yeah. Right, okay. That's okay. Yeah, her her son at the time when they first met was nineteen, but now he was twenty two, and her daughter was by this time thirteen, but she lived with her son.
1: I am so sorry. Of course.
0: So yeah, he he was. She was afraid that he'd beat her again if she said no, but what she didn't know is that he was planning to do some serious harm to her on the trip, but he just wasn't sure what he was going to do yet.
1: Oh, my what? God, the position of power that he's in. Yeah. Demanding she comes away, knowing that he's going to do something to her, but, you know, he's not decided what. What yeah, A horrible exactly. man.
0: So on, on the morning of the 17th, they set off on a journey to Plymouth. Now, on the journey, he would taunt and torment Jackie Telling her that he had arranged for her to be killed by a gangster named Charlie from York, and he boasted to her that her name was top of his hit list and it was too late to stop it, so she'd better get used to the idea that she was going to die. Throughout the trip, he continued to taunt her, turn her where the assassin would be on his journey south. So by this point, Rachel Jackie was frightened for her life. She didn't necessarily believe the story about the hitman, because after all, where would he get the money or the knowledge for that? But she knew exactly how much he liked violence and that he didn't hesitate to hurt her. So she feared for her life because of that.
1: I'm not surprised. And like, I guess in my head, if somebody was saying that to me, my thoughts would be going like, okay, is he going to pretend like he's role-playing and he's going to be the one that's going to kill me? But, you know, he's going to pretend like he's some stranger in a mask, you know. Like he 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 to me, seeing from from her perspective how much he loved like the movie is, you know, wouldn't wouldn't put it past him behaving in that manner.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I think you yeah. very logical though. When they were well past bath, well and away in the journey, he stopped at a petrol station for fuel and after he filled the car up, he filled up a two litre empty bottle of coke with petrol. This really got her worried, because she knew she had never seen him do this before. And also, the fact that she knew the car had enough petrol in it.
1: Wouldn't wouldn't the gas station be um, suspicious of that kind of behaviour as well?
0: Well, you'd think so, but they don't always stop these things, do they?
1: No, but I, like I thought like if you were gonna take petrol, not in a car, from the station, you'd have to have like one of those jerry cans. Like
0: we, you do. Just, just
1: to see some, some guy that, you know, if he's an addict, he probably looks a bit disheveled as well, sorry. To um to just um like to tarnish with that brush, but then to have like some Coca-Cola bottle, you know, probably between his legs and the, the nozzle of the petrol pump wedged in because it'd be much bigger than the um the cap on the the cola bottle. It'd be going everywhere.
0: Yeah, you'd think so, but it just, you know, it doesn't mean that they'd actually enforce it. No. And but yeah, she was also really worried because she knew that he had an unhealthy interest in fires. And it reminded her of a time in the past when she was sleeping in her bedroom. And he poured petrol over her from for, and over their bed from a metal can. And when oh she God. when she woke up, he then said to her that all he has to do is chuck a match at her and she go up in flames.
1: He is sadistic.
0: Yeah, and that memory, it never left her. And it came to her mind then when she saw him filling that bottle up. So somehow, though no one's sure why, But the journey to Plymouth was diverted, and ended up in Western Supermare. By this time, Stephen was becoming more and more agitated and violent, repeatedly hitting Jackie while he was driving, just randomly punching her when he wanted to. When they arrived at Western Supermare, Stephen began to calm down somewhat. He was drinking heavily by this point, and they spent some time driving around Western, they spent some time on the beach and eventually they went to sleep in the car overnight.
2: Wow.
1: I mean, you don't often hear that someone's drinking calms them down, do you? Like, if, no. they're, if they're in that state pre drink, that often in these kind of cases, you hear that they just get progressively worse, don't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that did happen, though, because on the 18th, of the next day, Stephen's mood did start off calm. But as the day passed and he drank more, he became increasingly hostile. They were both in the car, in a car park in Oxford Street in Weston, and he was trying his best to exert full control over her. He was swearing at her, he was verbally abusing her, and he was forcing her to do and say everything that he wanted her to do. He then punched her in the face a few times, causing her to bleed from her nose and the top of her lip before ordering her to pass him the Coke bottle full of petrol. Oh, my God. They were still in the car, and he made her bend forward, so her head was over her knees, and then he poured the petrol over her head and neck before he got out of the car. So by this point, Jackie was certain she was about to die. She had no doubt. Her head and body was covered in petrol. It was in her eyes, and it was also over, over her hands when she had tried to protect it from going into her eyes. So she got out of the car because she thought it would be safer outside of it. So when she got out of the car, Stephen then began taunting her, offering her a cigarette and saying it might be the last one that she ever smokes. When she refused one, he said this to her, smoke it or chuck it at you and then see how calm you are now. Oh
1: my goodness. And this is again in public.
0: Yes, in the middle of the day. I think it was about like 12 or 1 o'clock, something like that. Middle of the day in a car park. Wow. She then saw him light his lighter, but the next thing she knew she was seeing, the flame going across her face as she was set on fire. He then had the audacity to shout at her and to not to come near him while she was on fire so he didn't get burnt. Jackie would later say that everything seemed to slow down for her in her head at that point. She could feel her arms on fire and the pain from them burning. And she remembered shouting, or at least trying to shout, Help me. She doesn't know if the sound ever came out of her mouth though. Regardless, Stephen didn't help her. He didn't call for help. He told her to roll on the ground to put the fire out. Now Jackie, now in agony, did just that. She dropped to the floor and she began to roll, frantically trying to put the fire out. Now, initially, it did seem to put the fire out, Rachel, but it quickly ignited again. And all all Stephen did was just tell her to roll again. At this point, someone was passing by and they saw this and they alerted a nearby patrolling police car and an ambulance was called. When they arrived at Jackie, she was still alive, no longer in flames, but in complete agony. Still conscious, but with extensive burns over her body. Her teeth and nose was black. Her eyebrows, eyelashes, and all the hair on her head had been burnt off. The skin on her face and her hands had been burnt off, showing the pink flesh below. She was bleeding heavily from her nose and upper lip. And a police officer on the scene noted that Stephen's hand was covered in blood, so that the two things probably matched. When he was asked what happened by the police, he simply lied, saying that he had dragged Jackie from the car as it was on fire and he'd put the flames out that were on her. And when he was... This shows what type of person he is, this, Rachel. When he was asked if she had any relatives, he was even cruel enough to say no, which meant that her two children, Shane and Sonna, were not initially notified about what happened to their mum.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So Stephen would be arrested but he continued to lie. He would be interviewed five times in total. Even at one point, he was blaming Jackie, saying that she had spilled petrol on herself where she was filling the car up from the Coke bottle, and then she had lit her cigarettes, causing her fire.
1: The audacity but, of him. That's another yeah. level, isn't it?
0: Yeah. When Jackie first arrived at the local hospital, her injuries were that severe that the doctors did not expect her to live past the next day or two. That serious were her injuries, Rachel. You know what,
1: as well? Like, her quality of life post this incident, like, if she does manage to make it, I can't imagine, you know, that will be constant surgery, skin grafts, pain management, hair. Like, it'd be never-ending. So, I mean, I hope she does survive because... I don't want to hear that she's died at the hands of such an evil, awful man. But what would the quality of her life really be like? You know, be, being that severely burnt, that doctors don't believe she she'll make it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, well, let's see, shall we? But yeah, no, you're right. But do you know what she was though, Rachel? Do you know what Jackie was?
1: Who? Oh, um, a fighter.
0: Ja- yes, Jackie was a fighter because she wasn't going to give up without trying. She was moved to an in- intensive care unit and she stayed there for the next three and a half weeks, needing, wow. exten- needing extensive support just to stay alive. She had significant burns to 35% of her body in an area that covered her face, neck, chest, hands, and part of her torso, her upper thighs, and also her bum. She was no longer recognizable as a person from before if you were just to look at her. As, far as external burns, she had severe inhal- inhalation injuries. Her mouth was burnt, and she had burned to her respiratory tract and into her lungs. I'm, her, I'm
1: actually ta- tearing up right now. This is awful. Like, yeah, sorry, this is just really distressing because, my God, and he's watched her, and he's, yeah. she's suffered. Oh, that's it's awful.
0: Yeah, her her vocal cords were left in a fixed and closed position. The tracheostomy was inserted on the 1st of May 1998, which allowed her to continue breathing, essentially bypassing her vocal cords. And that was uh, never actually removed from her. She required 14 operations, including skin grafts, and she spent eight and a half months in hospital before being released on the 7th of January 1999. Wow. In October of 1999, so some 18 months after the attack, Jackie was well enough to be able to describe the devastating and life-changing effects that the injuries had on her. Both wow. Phys- yeah, both physically, but also, importantly, psychologically, too. Like you said, Rachel, she was in constant pain. She suffered from depression and nightmares, as well as, well as having to deal with regular suicidal thoughts. But she was strong, and she didn't want to give up. When it went to court, finally, at the start of 2000, she was brave enough to take the stand and outline what happened and what impact it had on her. When he went to trial, he would plead not guilty to grievous bodily harm on Jackie. But it also turned out, Rachel, that Jackie wasn't his only victim, because not long after he had set fire to Jackie, he began another relationship with another woman who didn't know of his past. On the 23rd of January, 1999, he attacked that woman and he raped her. He would be found guilty on both counts of GBH and also on the rape charge.
2: Thank
1: and God.
0: Even though it wasn't murder, the judge was sentence him to three separate discretionary life sentences with the minimum term of nine years for the attack on Jackie and a maximum term of 18, eight years for the attack on the other woman and six years for the rape on the other woman. woman, All to be served concurrently. But... It
1: doesn't feel like enough, does it?
0: It doesn't, know, But, you know, Jackie, she also had a life sentence, Rachel. Her and her family would be told that due to the injury she suffered, she should expect to live no more than 10 years more.
1: Oh, my God. So, like, he's got this constant hold over her for the rest of her life.
0: Yeah. But you have to remember, though, she was a fighter. Yeah. And she would live far longer than that 10 years. But it wasn't easy for her. She had the support. Yeah, she had the support of her daughter, her son, and good friends. And she battled. She wouldn't let it beat her. But we have to remember, she was, like it or not, disfigured. Her lungs were also permanently damaged and breathing was always difficult for her. Eating and drinking was hard because of her restricted mouth opening and also the uh, tracheostomy she had. She was also in and out of the hospital with complications for the rest of her life. She had no vocal cords anymore, but I didn't stop her trying to learn how to speak again. But it was frustrating for her because people just couldn't understand her. She would also regularly suffer abuse in the street from strangers due to the extensive facial scarring that she had. But it didn't stop her though and she would still go outside and she'd try to live as normal as possible a life as she could. She went past the 10 years predicted she'd live and she went on not only to see both children get married but also to see the birth of and get to know several of her grandchildren. But in August of 2019, her intestines became swollen for a reason that couldn't become determined. Because she had extensive scar into her body, it meant that unlike normal skin on a person, her abdomen couldn't expand to accommodate the swelling. And as a result, it caused several serious internal injuries as her intestines expanded within her. Jackie... Because of her past injuries, she would be too frail for any more surgery, and the doctors had to inform her that her life could not be saved. Her two kids, both adults by now, Shane and Sonna, rushed to be with her in the last few hours before she died. Even up to the last moment, her bravery was legendary, Rachel. She was not shying away from her situation, and she she asked her daughter simply just to tell her she was dying. She didn't want people to lie to her. Wow. So so let's have a little, and, and unfortunately then she passed away. So let's have a little look at Stephen, shall we? Because this story with him is not over, Rachel. He had quite a normal upbringing. No troubles, no hardships in his life. At 16, he started experimenting with drinking drugs. By the time he was 21, he was injecting speed. And at 23, he was a heroin addict. Prior to the attack on Jackie, he had nine convictions for 18 offenses between the years of 1986 and 1997, convictions for theft, burglary, public order offenses, drug and drink offenses. There was nothing violent except for one nine-month sentence for actual bodily harm and possession of an offensive weapon, something he actually had only been out of prison for a short time when he met Jackie. Wow. He would he would end up serving 15 years in total for the crimes against Jackie and his other victim. And I think that tells you a lot about the person he is, given the maximum minimum term was nine years for those, and he spent another six years in prison on top of the minimum term. Now, he would be released on the 25th of September 2015, but as he was on a life licence, he would subsequently be called to prison on the 8th of June, 2018, when he began drinking again and is hidden it from his offender manager. On the 2nd of April, 2019, he was released from prison on licence. He never fully took responsibility for his actions, Rachel. He either blamed alcohol or even the victims in some situations, and this was according to the parole report that he had when he was released for the second time. People, would
1: people, sorry, yes. people like that don't change, though, do they? No, I it's don't everyone so. else's fault but their
0: own. He would eventually admit to attacking Jackie out of ev- out of revenge due to jealousy over an ex of hers and perceived but not real slights from her towards him. How many times do you have to hear that where an abuser thinks that the abusee is doing something towards them when? They're just trying to protect their lives.
1: A- Absolutely, and like you know, he's he's blaming her for his downfalls because you know, oh, she was, she said this to me, she did that to me. You know, it's not my fault. She's weak. It's it it's horrific, and the fact that they even get a voice to be able to say such hurtful and harmful things because at this point, Jackie had Jackie had passed away. He was still getting getting away with that, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was just before, but yeah. Um, What is unusual, though, Rachel, is that when Jackie died, he'd be arrested again, this time on suspicion of murder of Jackie, and be taken to court.
1: And like, I bet you that that was their waiting game all along, wasn't it? He got charged with, um, the, the crime at the time, and. yeah, and they knew all along, right, she's got 10 years. Obviously, she lived a lot longer than that, but their intention, right, as soon as she has passed away, we're going after him for, for murder.
0: Yeah, the, the police and CPS, I think you're right there, yeah, the police and CPS would argue that if he hadn't attacked Jackie, then she wouldn't have had the injuries that caused her to die some 21 years later after the original attack. He would be not guilty to murder Admitted the attack, for his defence stating that several matters caused Jackie's death, then that it was inappropriate to blame Stephen for her death. Because he admitted the attack, the trial was only focused on the medical evidence of Jackie's death, along with statements from her children and a posthumous statement from Jackie, outlining her injuries and how she had to live with them. So the jury would find Stephen, Stephen guilty of murder. The judge did not pull any punches Rachel when it came to Stephen, she called him a coward, and outlined exactly what he had done to Jackie. She outlined what he did to her was a build-up of violence over the years, and as you said at the very beginning, that it was sadistic and she also pointed out to the twenty-one years of suffering Jackie had since the attack. She informed Stephen that even actually. Do you know what Rachel? What shall we hear what the judge actually said herself rather yes, than me saying it? So she Absolutely. had she had ten pages of notes in total. So I won't play it all here. But here is a judge at the end of his summing up, giving Stephen the sentence for the crime of murder.
2: But there are two further outstanding, significant, aggravating features. The first aspect is the level of sadism and extreme nature of the attack culminating in the fire on the road trip which takes it above the factors built into a 30-year starting point. It was just so callous and so brutal. The second is the physical and mental suffering and terrible scarring that Jackie has endured for 21 years when she tried to make the best of what was left of her life As she described it, every time she looked in a mirror or saw the response of others to her scarring or even touched her face, she was reminded of what you had done. Your murder of Jackie justifies a total minimum term of imprisonment of 34 years in your life sentence. But because you have already served nearly 19 years for causing the grievous bodily harm that she so bravely endured for 21 years, the term I now impose of 15 years and five days is the balance that would bring the federal minimum term to 34 years.
1: Amazing. Sorry, I said wow when she said 34 years, but then she had more to say, so sorry, I interrupted you there.
0: Um, yeah, what was interesting was, that, well, his GBH was a determinate life sentence, so he knew he'd get out, so he didn't have to fully admit to what he had done. Now he's on an indeterminate life sentence, so he'll have to fully own up and admit to what he's done. But if he's got a chance of getting out after the next fifteen years, so it was. And, uh,
1: and and the thing is as well, his past behavior will not fare favor favorably for him with his parole board. Um, it will be like heavily investigated in terms of him lying, showing a past like pattern of lying, and. And um, you know, basically having to to say that he's completely overhauled his life in order to, to get future parole, won't
0: he? Yeah. And obviously it won't help the fact that even after he attacked her, he went on and attacked another one afterwards. Yeah. So yeah.
1: And he has never accepted the blame. Yeah. So part part of the parole kind of process is right, do you accept the crime that you've committed? Have you come to peace with it? Have you come to terms with it? And he's never accepted the blame. He's always yeah. blamed her or other aggravating factors. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you just got to hope that they'll see right through that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So while this was um, a horrible crime, and I really feel for Jackie. I'm really happy that he was arrested on the murder because he was probably not expecting that. Or he probably thought, well, I've, I've been convicted. I've done my time. He probably didn't even know what was happening to Jackie. So when he was arrested for murder, these that's a good thing, isn't it, Rachel?
1: Absolutely. And do you know what Andrew? Like, it was not something that I thought in the back of my mind that they would go after him for. Um, so, it it's amazing that even after the, like the sad fact that Jackie passed away, they were able to circle back and say, "Right now, we can ha- get you done for the murder." That that really is is amazing.
0: Yeah, so that's that's all I've got for you, Rachel. Hopefully, you'll never be released. But what do you think of that one? I think you've just told me anyway, haven't you?
1: Well, at like you, as sad as some of the cases that you've addressed have been, I've never been brought to tears before, and I was actually crying during that recording. Um, it it was a difficult, difficult. I would say watch, but we we weren't watching it where we it was. It was a difficult one to listen to, um, and. Like, what a woman Jackie was, and her family must be so happy that this evil, evil man will spend the rest of his life rotting behind bars. And we don't say that lightly, do we? Because you and I both agree prison should not be somewhere where people are just locked up for the rest of their days. It should be an opportunity to rehabilitate, but this man needs to be kept away from other people, absolutely.
0: Okay, right, so shall I wrap this one up then, Rachel? Okay. So this has been Season 4, Episode 6, called No Escaping Justice. And if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene. What we've seen here is that when a person is attacked, it doesn't just end when a person gets put into jail. It carries on, and sometimes for a lifetime, for the victim. And what we've also seen is that rightly so there should be no escape for the criminal when it does so thank you all and until next week look after yourselves and your loved ones
1: thanks Andrew thanks everyone bye